Did you know that you get to pick between two types of Grubbly Farms Grubblies? Grubbly Farms now offers Grubbly's World Harvest. These grubs are grown around the world, but not from China. Grubbly's World Harvest are the same bugs and have the same benefits as the OG Grubbly's, also known as Hometown Harvest. You'll get stronger eggshells and flashier feathers with both. You get to pick which version you prefer and can even pick one over the other based on your budget. So head on over to grublyfarms.com and use code DRINKANDFARM25 to get 25% off your first order. Welcome to We Drink and We Farm Things. This is the farm comedy podcast that is an adult happy hour for the farming community. We drink adult beverages, talk about the ups and downs of farming things, and give zero clucks about not having the perfect farm life. We keep it real with you and share the mistakes we've made and what we've learned so you can feel less alone in this farm thing. We drink things, we farm things, we drink and farm things. Oh, hey there, Sam. Oh, look what you're opening today. I know. They had it. Where did you find that? At my local Kroger. Oh. Yeah. So I guess for the people not on YouTube, (laughs) what are you drinking? (laughs) So this is a Verner's ginger ale or it says the original ginger soda and if you don't know verner's is like a big deal in michigan right it's basically a whole group of medicine oh it's a whole group of medicine yeah if i'm sick that's what i want oh it helps with the stomach helps with sinus yeah i mean it might all be in my head but ginger actually has a lot of benefits too it does it does. I am in agreement. I've been drinking a lot of ginger ale because it helps tamp down my heartburn. Ooh, nice. Oh, and this, so this one is much better. I was getting ready to tell you, you're going to be really disappointed because I actually prefer the Canada Dry ginger ale because it's more bubbly. So it helps my heartburn a little better, but this bottle seems to be bubblier. So I wonder if I just got like, you know, one of those bad batches or something i don't know for my first one yeah or maybe it was like shook up or something so it went a little flat maybe Mm -hmm. yeah because when i had my husband try it i was like this is weird this ginger ale is flat and he's like yeah it is flat when did you pour it i'm like just now (laughs) but as you can see this one bubbled so i also highly recommend if you're sick put it in the microwave for like 20 seconds to warm it up really all right i will give that a try Mm. (laughs) so what are you drinking over there i am having a repeat day of v8 i thought you were opening a mountain dew over there (laughs) you're like sam is taking a break from being healthy no judgment if you're pregnant and drink mountain dew at all not one bit cravings are weird but i've had a day so far and haven't had a lot of time to eat a lot and definitely not a lot of nutrition so i was like Two birds, one stone will record and get my veggies on. (laughs) Mm, Good idea. I like it. Our drink peep this episode is our friend and teammate, Katie Montgomery. So cheers, lady. Cheers. I am drinking it out of our silly pint glasses, too. Mm. We do have some available. You can see it on the YouTube behind me. But we, we only have, like, one shelf left, almost. So that probably means... Like 12 left. Wow. And the lids and straws are almost gone. So if you're interested in getting one of our Silly Pints, 
I highly recommend you do that now because we are heading into garden season and you're not going to want to take glass into the garden with you. Mm-mm. So go do that. It's in our shop. Do it now. Yes. <laughs> Please. Thank you. <laughs> Shameless plug over. Yes. <laughs> but also yesterday was St. Patrick's Day. Oh, yeah? Yes. It was St. Patrick's Day. So we hope you had a safe and happy one. I, th- I think we're both working on St. Patrick's Day. <laughs> and obviously I will not be partaking in any green beer this year. But we thought we would do something kind of related to the folklore and mythology of St. Patrick's Day. So we're going to talk about pinching today, but mostly pinching plants, but also (laughs) a quick fun fact of why you might get pinched on St. Patrick's Day if you're not wearing green. (laughs) Oh, interesting. Interesting. So Bev, do you know why people get pinched for not wearing green on St. Patrick's Day? Because people who pinch other people are jerks. (laughs) (laughs) and they're just looking for an excuse okay yeah I I was always that person that was too forgetful to remember to wear green on St. Patrick's Day so (laughs) I I was never the pincher always the pinchy yeah I was around pinchers so I was always prepared so according to irishcentral.com they're pretty sure that Americans came up with the whole wear green or get pinched roll, as Ireland doesn't go full force with the whole leprechaun stuff on St. Patrick's Day, or really at all. I was going to say, I heard that they thought it was a little offensive. Probably. Or just annoying. Stupid Americans, you know? Obnoxious. Yeah. Yeah. Fair. (laughs) As the tradition goes, wearing green on St. Patrick's Day is supposed to make you invisible to leprechauns. And leprechauns can't see green. They can't see their favorite color i guess not or maybe (laughs) it's not even their favorite color and we just assumed that about them oh okay okay but apparently they will pinch you as soon as you come up on their radar if you don't wear green okay so that's how that happened so it was obnoxious american behavior Zero surprises here. Yeah, and I've definitely (laughs) participated in it. So I am guilty. And I will probably do it to my own child at some point, too. So in the spirit of pinching today and and seed starting either happening at your homestead or farm or soon to happen, and all the garden dreaming we've been doing, we're going to talk about pinching plants today. Yes, and this will be a great talk because I always struggle with pinching (laughs) my plants just like I have trouble with thinning I just I I I want everything that has grown to continue to grow I don't (laughs) want to reduce anything so it's gonna be a good chat so you're like full circle you weren't prepared for all the pinching on St. Patrick's Day and you don't like pinching now with your plants Mm -mm. Yeah. (laughs) So the first time I saw somebody pinching on Instagram, I was like, what the heck? Why would you even do that? So there is the question of to pinch or not to pinch. And it's frequently asked as plants start to grow out of control, especially during the summer. So in today's episode, we're going to discuss what it means to pinch plants, which vegetables can and should be pinched, and how to pinch tomatoes, basil, peppers, and other plants that can benefit from a little, usually mid-season pruning, but there are other times that you can do this as well. Awesome. Awesome. (laughs) 
So when we talk about pinching plants, you might be wondering, like, what does it mean to pinch a plant? And how is it any different from clipping or pruning a plant? Well, they are actually three different words for basically the same thing, which is removing excess growth of a plant. And the main difference between them is the method that is used to remove the growth. So pinching is usually done with one's fingers when the growth is tender and easy to remove. And I actually have a really cool little like thumb tool for pinching. I should have brought it in here for the YouTube. I didn't even think of it, but we'll put a link to it in the show notes. You can check it out. They come in a little two pack. It's a silicone little thing that goes over your thumb and has like a metal piece across where your thumb nail would be. And then it has a little glove that goes over your pointer finger so that you can pinch like this and you're not having to get all this stuff stuck under your fingernail. Because that's one of the things that happens when you pinch is you can get like stuff stuffed up there and then your thumb is really sore. So that's a pretty cool little tool. So I will share that in the show notes. When you're clipping and pruning, you usually use like scissors or snippers or pruners, and you're using them to cut off plant parts that have tougher stems or are hard to access with your fingers. And pinching is really the simplest kind of pruning that you can do, but what you decide to remove when you're pinching really depends on what your end goal is with the pinching, because there are different ways to pinch to produce different results. Good to know. So next we're going to move on to some of the benefits of pinching. So there are a few reasons that you might want to pinch your plants. The first would be to control the size of the plant. Do you want your plant to be bushier or thinner? Because pinching out the growing tip of the plant will make it fuller and keep it from growing taller. Basically, when you cut off a stem, the plant responds by producing two new stems, one on each side of the cut. On the other hand, thinning excess side growth is helpful, training a plant to grow up a trellis. So keep that in mind. Where you pinch is important. And another reason you might decide to pinch is increasing the fruit size. So if you remove some of the fruits that are developing on your plant, then your plant will be able to direct more of its energy into the ones that are left, which essentially makes them larger. And this type of thinning is usually done on like fruit trees, but it works really well on tomatoes or other very productive crops as well. And a great time to really do that is when you're getting close to the end of the season and you're worried things aren't going to finish ripening in time. You remove some excess fruits so that the fruits that are left can develop before your first freeze in the fall so that you get to harvest them. And if you're trying to grow a giant pumpkin, you stand a better chance of getting a record breaker if you clip off all but one fruit per plant because the plant gets to put all its energy into that one mighty pumpkin. Yes, I love that. Pinching can also increase the amount of fruit. So by removing excess leaves and non-fruiting branches, the plant will put more effort into making more fruit on the remaining branches rather than into the leaves. You can also increase the quality of the fruit by removing damaged or iffy fruits. So if something's not looking like it's gonna taste real good because a bug got into it or something, just take it off and check it because it'll help the good ones grow better. 
And pinching will also increase air circulation and light into the center of your plant. So by pinching off bushier areas, it can help thwart powdery mildew and other fungal diseases and also help promote fruit ripening in there because sunlight will be able to get into the middle of your plant. And it can also speed up some ripening as well. And some plants need to be told when it's time to stop putting all their energy into growing more leaves and start ripening their fruit instead. So for these plants, pinching can help give them the right message so that you don't just have a bunch of fruit that's not ripe on your right. plants. Right. So disappointing. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, it's the worst. <laughs> so let's dive into which vegetables you may want to pay attention to this year as far as pinching or pruning. There are a few plants that benefit most from really judicious pruning, and one of those is tomatoes. And this is one that I did heavily prune last year, and it actually went really well. And it did help all of those things that it said at, at the in the previous section as well. So tomatoes can put out so much growth in a hot, humid summer that you can barely find the fruits. <laughs> it can get a little wild in there. So they can easily stand some excess foliage removal during their lifespan. You don't want to get too carried away and cut off too much. You want to leave at least two-thirds of the plant. But you can get rid of up to a third of the plant. That's a lot. You want to balance that, though, because overpruning can result in, like, sun scald and less fruit overall. So you definitely want to be strategic in how you're pinching and pruning your tomatoes. Yeah. And where you start pinching and pruning your tomatoes really depends on how you grow your tomato plants. So there's two common ways. There's staking and there's caging. So if you're a staker, you need to decide how many stems do you want Leaving the lowest two side branches will give you three fruiting stems to train up your stakes. And if you remove all the suckers that want to form above that point, you just pinch them out as soon as you see them starting to grow where the side branches meet the stem. This will give you a less bushy plant. And that's really important because those suckers will only produce more leaves and not any fruit. So might as well remove them. They're just taking up energy and leaving space for disease. And if you're growing in cages, remove the bottom branches it, because that'll increase airflow at the base of the plant. Then start to pinch out the suckers from higher up on the plant where fruiting side branches might meet the main stem to keep it from getting like too crazy bushy. Now, if you're growing indeterminate plants, these are the ones that go taller and taller and taller until you get your frost and then they die and they're sad like everything else. But you can clip off the growing tip to keep those as a more manageable size. Maybe your trellis only goes so high. So that might be a reason that you do this. And this will actually inspire the plant to start ripening the fruits they have rather than trying to make any more. So if you're getting close to that first frost and there's some big fruit on there that isn't quite ready, just tip the clip. Clip clip the tip. <laughs> clip the tip. <laughs> that was funny. You guys know what I mean. <laughs> I always call that topping the tomato plant. And I usually let it like hang over the cage, but not touch the ground so when it gets back to where it's going to start touching soil I tip it there because then all the 
tomatoes can just be hanging out around the cage and inside the cage. Because I do both staking and caging. I don't know which one I prefer. My tomatoes always end up a mess either way. So, <laughs> <laughs> Well, if you're going to grow the determinate plants, definitely re- recommend the caging for that one, at least from my experience. Because these ones are shorter and produce most of their fruit at the same time. It's not best to prune them or you run the risk of losing potential fruit. So make sure you know if it's indeterminate or determinate and kind of go from there. I did have a bushy one this past year that was getting a little out of control for the size of the cage that I had. And because I had such a plethora of tomatoes, I pruned the crap out of that one and it still went all the way to the frost and had some rando rando tomatoes going. So anything's possible. (laughs) Yeah. For sure. And I just wanted to repeat the determinate and indeterminate thing because that might be kind of new to some gardeners. An indeterminate tomato plant is one that will just continue to grow. It will get as tall as you will let it. And a determinate one will only get so high and stay short and bushy. And the back of your seed packet should tell you whether it's a determinate or an indeterminate. And if it doesn't, you should be able to Google the scientific name and it'll tell you whether it's a determinate or an indeterminate. So that should help you. I typically grow determinate tomatoes in pots because they look like decorative plants. But most of my determinates are only, they're like miniature tomatoes. They're little little guys. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. Porch salad bar. Yeah. (laughs) All right, the next one that you should consider pinching is basil. Oh. This one's important, too, because although it's not a vegetable, basil, I mean, I love basil. It's my favorite. I have, like, 12 plants growing in my basement right now. (laughs) It's so good, and there are benefits to pinching it because basil plants will start to flower and lose their flavor and tenderness if they're not clipped often. So you got to take their heads off. Luckily, you can eat what you clip off. So it's not a total waste, but you want to do that. Otherwise, your plant's not going to be as delicious. And you can keep basil plants bushy and producing new leaves if you harvest them often. If the plants do get ahead of you and start to bloom, just cut off the flower And once the plant sets seeds, they will stop growing new leaves. And honestly, they aren't good to eat anymore by that point anyways. I found that they just don't taste good. So to do this, you want to cut the stem back to where new leaves are starting to grow. And side branches will form from there, making the plant really lush and productive. And you'll be surprised by how much basil you can harvest from just a few well-maintained plants. Because this is one of those cut and come again, like the more you cut, the more they will branch and grow. I actually don't get too caught up in how to cut basil. Sometimes I just go out there with the pruners and I just do a whole shave like around it. I mean, they look awful when I'm done. Like Edward Scissors hands freaking pruned these things. <laughs> <laughs> Same. Yes. Yes. I think this is one where it's really hard to do it wrong. Yeah, I mean, I've totally like just topped basil too. Like I'll go out there cuz they get they can get huge depending on like what part of the season you're in. And you can just go in and just like chop a bunch of it and take it and make pesto and it'll all branch out and bush off. You're better off to keep your basil 
on the shorter side, though, I found because sometimes they get really tall and then the wind catches them and they fall over and break. And I hate it. It makes me mad. <laughs> yeah, those are definitely an herb that I like to keep in like hanging baskets because that does kind of limit their size a little bit. And when it's eye level like that for me, I'm going to remember better to prune them. If they're down on the ground and I have to look down, I can really easily fall into that trap where it gets really close to flowering. And then I have to drop what I'm doing and take care of it. Not that it takes a long time to do it, but if you're in a hurry, it's kind of like, oh, basil. How rude. Yeah. <laughs> so next on the list is pinching peppers. Ooh, I've heard about this one. I've never actually tried this myself. I don't think I pinched my pepper plants last year and they were super productive. So this makes me think that because the article says so, you can actually produce twice as much fruit if you cut back early on. So I didn't cut at all. I didn't even think to cut back early on, but my habanero plants were insane last year. It's because it knew that you only needed a handful of habaneros. It was like, here, let me give you a thousand, but bell peppers will just give you a few. (laughs) So then we'll like give you a thousand and you can freeze them all and then forget about them and never use them. Yeah, that's the boat I'm in right now. (laughs) So you can remove the first group of buds from the top of the young plants. This is called disbudding. Not like disbudding goats, you're disbudding peppers here, (laughs) but it encourages the plant to branch and produce even more flowers. Just be careful not to damage the new leaves before the flower buds. And this is hard to do if you are eager to have early fruit because it feels like you're delaying that situation. But the claim is here that it's well worth it with a slight setback because you'll have twice as many peppers. So if you're having... The I have four bell pepper problem. Maybe try this and see if you get eight. Yeah, I usually only get a handful per pepper plant. So I will top my pepper plants this year. And I actually have seeds started. So hopefully I get to do that soon. (laughs) I need to start my peppers and tomatoes so I can follow through on this too. (laughs) Yeah, I got a package yesterday. Not to get too far off topic, but I got a package yesterday and Jared dropped it. And, you know, it made that sound. And I was like, this isn't seeds. And Jerry looked at me, and he's like, like, this isn't seeds. And he's like, yeah, right. <laughs> you probably wouldn't have even thought about it if you didn't say anything. I know, but it just, it made so much noise. I was like, I have to say something. You're so guilty. <laughs> it's not seeds, I swear. I swear I don't have a problem. <laughs> it could be drugs, it could be drugs. <laughs> there are worse things, yes. So one last thing, I'm pinching peppers later on in the season as you're getting closer to your first frost. If it looks like your green peppers are not ripening, you can pinch off any new flowers that form. Same thing with your tomatoes. You can just pinch the flowers off. They won't have the time to make peppers of any size before frost from those new flowers. So the plant's energy can be directed back towards that existing fruit like we talked about before. Yeah. And I'm always surprised at how long it actually takes to go from flower to ripe fruit. Like we're talking weeks, like 21 days or more. So if you're in, you know, mid-September and your first frost is usually around mid-October, like it's time to just pinch new flowers so that you can get a better yield for your last harvest. Yeah, because you're going to be way more sad having like tiny new fruit and all this big, beautiful fruit that's so close. Yeah, 
just pinch the new flowers. So the next one we'll talk about is cucumbers. And I actually didn't know that cucumbers needed pinching. I usually don't prune cucumbers. So cucumbers can benefit from some pinching if they're growing out of control in your garden. You just remove the growing tip, being careful to leave the tendril and largest leaf intact. And if you're training your cukes up a trellis, you might want to remove the lowest stems from the vine if it's producing lots of side stems instead of fruit. Just don't clip the top. Let it continue to climb your trellis. And if you're growing bush-type cucumbers, don't prune them at all. So this rule doesn't apply to bush cucumbers. And I didn't know bush cucumbers were a thing. Now I need to order more seeds. Because <laughs> <laughs> you must try them, right? Oh, gosh, I have to. (laughs) Last year, I unintentionally had some cukes climbing the side of my fence, and it was actually really cool. And I'm going to vertical garden some cucumbers this year, so I'm super excited to try this. And now I know that I can get rid of those side stems and just let it kind of spread out real nice like. Yeah. Another way that I grew cucumbers last year is I did hanging pots of cucumbers and tomatoes. They were really interesting. Actually, I, I bought them from the Amish, so I didn't I didn't grow them myself. I just I saw them and I was like, oh, oh my gosh, porch salad bar. Yeah. <laughs> so I had as so I had two tomato plants and a cucumber plant in the middle, and they didn't last very long because they're hanging pots, so they're hard to keep from drying out. But I did get quite a few cucumbers and tomatoes from them. It was really it was an interesting way to grow them. So that's. Just a thought Mm -hmm. for, you know, something different. They kind of got a little messy. You know how they get, like, yucky towards the end of the season? Like, eventually I just threw them out because they looked like garbage. (laughs) Right. They start looking like fall. (laughs) Just not the pretty kind. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, it's July. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. No, I totally, yeah, I could see that. The I I got suckered at the greenhouse, too, because they had strawberry plant hanging baskets. And the nice thing about that was I could just take the plant out at the end of the year and then bury it in the ground with the rest of my strawberries from last year. But yeah, so that was kind of fun. By the time I bought them, because it was an impulse buy, most of the fruit, because it was June bearing, uh, it was gone. So there wasn't a lot to take off of them, but they were also super pretty. So win-win, I suppose. All right. So there are other vegetables that can also benefit from pruning. One of those vegetables would be gourds because once they start growing, they can go a little wild. And depending on the type, they could send vines out that can be like 100 feet long. So when your vines reach about 10 feet, you can clip off the growing tip to force energy for the growth to the side branches. This is where the female blossoms form. The male blossoms are on the central vine. And you need a lot of the female ones if you want to grow lots of gourds. Yeah. Male flowers don't make gourds. (laughs) No. The ladies do all the hard work here. (laughs) And this next one is really important because I didn't know until last year that you could prune these. But summer squash and zucchini can be pruned. They're bushy plants. You can cut some of the leaves out to improve their air circulation. Which is critical because I feel like those are always getting a mildew of some kind. But it's not generally necessary to do more than that. You want to look for leaves that are overlapping or touching. And I tend to prune off all the bottom leaves that are touching the ground. Because that's how they pick up 
the fungus from the soil. So I actually probably over prune mine just a little bit. The myth was, was that you would end up with more disease if you pruned those things because you left a big open cut. But that was not my experience when I pruned those. I found that the plants lasted longer and I was actually able to find the fruits before they were baseball bat sized, which was excellent. Yes. (laughs) Same. Yeah. I had all the same benefits, but it was also my first year growing And I saw an MI gardener that he did that. So I was like, oh, that's brilliant because these look out of control. And I was having that problem where they were huge and tasteless by the time I got them. So I'd like cut them in half and give them to the chickens. And they were even like, really? (laughs) This tastes like nothing, mom. But yeah, so that was one that kind of surprised me, but went really well last year. Another one you can prune is winter squash. Because this also sends the vines very far and wide. If you wish, you can clip the tips off the vines as the season winds down to help promote that ripening instead of more blossoming of pretty flowers that don't produce anything. (laughs) And Brussels sprouts often need you to prune them so that they'll stop growing taller and start putting out some size on the sprouts. So... To get them to mature their sprouts, you clip the top leaves off the stem when the lower sprouts are about three quarter of an inch in diameter. And I'll get to test this one this year. I ordered Brussels sprout seeds because Aurora has been begging for air fryer Brussels sprouts. So I was like, well, maybe I can get her to do a little Brussels sprout garden (laughs) since she loves eating them so much. They take forever to grow, but they are super cool plants. I started some last year and it got to the point where I could see some of like the Brussels sprouts forming and then it got attacked by garden pests. Yeah. The caterpillars are nuts. Yeah. On those. Yeah. So, but they're super cool plants. So I'm hopeful that you can grow some and it'll look really neat. And Aurora will have all the Brussels sprouts her little heart can desire. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm considering, because I'm trying not to overwhelm myself on the garden this year, I'm thinking of dedicating a bed to them and then covering that bed. Oh, that's a good idea. Like netting it. Yeah. So if I treat the bed before I plant anything, so by treating it, I mean, I'm going to just like cover it in first Saturday lime and see if that takes care of any of the eggs or larvae that might still be in there. Give it a good raking and kind of mix it all in there. And then I can plant my plants and put a tent or a netting or something over it so that the moths can't land on them to lay the eggs. And then I'll probably cover them in BT and stuff too, (laughs) just to be safe. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, that's a good idea. So lastly, it's not a vegetable, but you can also pinch flowers. Flowers can benefit from some pinching as well. Long, straggly stems with flowers only at the tip are not super attractive. So you can cut them back to where a healthy new leaf is forming on the stem to encourage some new growth. So moms especially should be pinched several times to keep them bushy and increase the amount of blooms they produce. But you can also do this with annuals like zinnias, snapdragons, salvias, tall marigolds, asters, and cosmos. These all respond to being cut by producing even more blossoms. So don't hesitate to pick big bouquets. More flower branches will keep forming. Yeah. And dahlias, you top dahlias off just like you do pepper plants. And I actually did do that with my dahlias last year because I had some, I ordered some dahlia tubers 
and planted them. And I did get a few flowers off of them. We'll see if they survived the winter. I know I didn't store them right. So they're quite <laughs> trivially dried messes or really disgusting and slimy and moldy. So yeah, <laughs> I got some from the greenhouse last year that were already blooming and beautiful. And I did top them and they just kept going all summer. Like I couldn't believe it. So yeah, definitely do that. Get rid of the gross looking ones and... <laughs> And more will will bloom. (laughs) Well, and it's so good to know that because when I first moved here, I didn't want to remove the flowers because I just, I loved seeing the flowers out in the yard. So I never wanted to pick them because they just created so much color. But I realized if I had been picking them and putting them in vases, they would have just kept growing more blooms. (laughs) And then I could have enjoyed them in more places rather than just outside. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's seeing it, some of it seems counterintuitive, like, you know, but it's like cutting your hair. It just makes it feel better and it grows in healthier and ta-da! So that is our discussion on pitching, pruning, and clipping all the things in your garden so you can grow the healthiest and most productive plants possible. So I would say start slow and see how your plants respond and how you're doing with it. And then if it's going well, maybe try a little bit more. You can't take it back once you do it. So it's good to start slow. Yeah. Um, Something else I would also just mention is you want to make sure that you're sanitizing your tools in between plants to keep disease from spreading because you're opening up a new spot for nastiness to kind of enter your plant. So typically to do that, I just carry around a bucket of bleach water to dip my tools in or you know my little thumb pincher thing and just just don't wear clothes that you don't want to get all bleachy (laughs) and don't spill it in the garden oh my god (laughs) yeah oh gosh good point though I didn't even think to mention that that's very important all right so if you haven't yet make sure you leave us a review we will read our favorite which is anytime we get a review all of them all of them (laughs) I mean, we've had some with a little bit of criticism in it, and we still read that. But we prefer you to be nice. (laughs) We like the positive feedback. There's enough negativity in the world. I'll put that out there. But we have read some criticism before, and, and that's okay. But we prefer you leave that on an Apple Podcast review. And if you don't have an Apple product, you can download iTunes onto your laptop if you have one of those and leave it that way. Or you can call and leave us a review that way. We don't pick up that phone. <laughs> it just goes basically straight to voicemail, I think. So you're safe. But we read the reviews, take all the reviews we read for the month, and then pick a name out of a hat. And that person will get an exclusive coffee mug that is not and never will be in the shop. I actually drank coffee out of it this morning. Oh, nice. So I have it. Yeah. Maybe I should leave us a review. Yeah, you should. Maybe you can win one. (laughs) (laughs) So make sure you leave us your Instagram handle or something to identify yourself with. But we do have a review this week. So Bev, do you want to read this week's review? Yes, I will. So this review is from Mrs. Smith at My Simple Chaos. And the title is Drink and Listen Up. I've been listening to this podcast since day one. 
I've never written a review because I'm always listening while I'm in the car, the tractor, (laughs) or my favorite, in the garden. I was so excited to come check the podcast out after hearing Bev mention it on another podcast. I had been following Bev on Instagram for a while prior. I was not disappointed in the least. I love Sam and Bev. They make a great team as their knowledge, experience, and personalities complement each other well. I love to listen in the garden with my earbuds in and a drink in my muddy hand while I plant or pick whatever I'm doing out there. I have learned a lot of tips and tricks, and I even enjoy the episodes that don't really relate to me at all. Like, I've never had cows or donkeys or goats. Most of all, it feels like I'm sitting down to chat with old friends, and I get to laugh a lot, too. All the stars for this show. And that is from Ronica Smith. Oh, and her Instagram is at SmithRidgeMaine. I know exactly who Ronica is. Thank you, Ronica. (laughs) (laughs) Yay, Ronica. We appreciate that. That's a very nice review. Oh, my gosh. Yes, thank you. And we do have have a few listeners that have been there since day one. And, oh, my gosh, cheers to you guys. Yeah, no kidding. It was a little bumpy while we were figuring out the format there. So thanks for sticking with us. Yeah, I think we got a good formula now. <laughs> yes, I agree. So before we sign off for today, just a reminder, if you are listening to us and you want to share us with the world, you can let those people on Instagram know by sharing that you're listening in your stories. And then tag at Drink and Farm. If you do this, we're going to send you a promo code just for that episode that will give you a percentage off in the shop, which you want to do because before we hit record today, we're talking about doing some spring cleaning in the shop. Mm -hmm. We're, We're slowly transitioning to tank top weather. So if there's a design in a sweatshirt that you want to snag for April, you should probably go do that because it might disappear. We don't know if it's coming back because we are not that organized that far ahead. (laughs) Not because I'm trying to bait you into buying something, but literally, like, we might just forget to bring it back. (laughs) And we have our March shirt of the month that celebrates four years of Drink and Farm, too. So check out that design. That is in all the different options, I think, that are possible. Yeah, I think so, too. It's a really (laughs) great design. I love it. That chicken just, like, makes my day. Yes. (laughs) She might be our spirit animal. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Flower crown. A little crazy-eyed. A little messy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That would be us. Yeah. Yeah. I'm here for it. (laughs) Make sure you take a look at today's show notes to find links to the articles we discussed. There's also a survey where you could tell us how we're doing anonymously. Links to our social media goodness and all that wonderful merch we were just talking about. Mm -hmm. All right. So I think that's it. Yeah, that's it. So until next time. Drink. Farm. And give zero clucks. Bye now. Bye. We drink things, we farm things.